Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the True North CFL Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Leach. You can follow me on Twitter at aka Jimmy Leach. I'm Taylor Curry, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TaylorCurrySK. And I'm Carter Kennington. You can catch me at Instagram at Carter Kennington. And we'd just like to note that our podcast is now available on SoundCloud. So if for whatever reason you weren't finding the YouTube format working for you, you can always listen on there. Just search uh, True North CFL Podcast on YouTube. So guys, we're going to start off with the first game. BC uh, versus Montreal last week. Montreal beating the Lions 21-16. What did you guys think of BC's O-line? They looked a lot better, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, they definitely looked better. Uh, not the best, but uh, they definitely improved. Uh, I think they still have a lot of work to go. Definitely better than before. Oh, no, yeah. Um, two sacks, so, you know. Definitely, um, I'm sure Mike Riley's happy with that stat line. No doubt. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a good start for them. But they've got more, they need to do more to really... Solidify yeah, that I agree. Do you guys think um, it had to do with the change of the you know, line coach at all? Because it's interesting that people were saying right before this that oh, that has nothing to do with it, and then their line has arguably their best game once that coach is fired. Yeah, and that's the interesting part is a lot of people were saying that Ed Hervey was using him as a scapegoat, but then they go out and they only allow two sacks, so. That, that's tough to say, honestly. Yeah, I think it's hard, especially because this is just the first game. We don't know if this is just a really good game or if this is what it's going to be from now on. Yeah. So, is Stanback the number one back in Montreal now? or Because he got, by far, pretty much all of the carries last game. Or did they split more next game? Yeah, uh, I think he's the number one no matter what. Uh, he had 15 carries last week, averaged uh, 5.2 yards a carry. And uh, I did hear this week that Jeremiah Johnson does have a concussion, so they'll be rolling with him and uh, the backup, uh, Ryder yep. Stone, I think his name is. And uh, so I, I think he's your number one, and there's a big drop-off in between him and Stone, so I think he'll be getting a lot of the carries versus Saskatchewan. This uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, like I don't hear too much news about Montreal so far, like at least in this point of the season, like they're kind of going a little under the radar, but everything you hear is standback related, at least everything that I hear. So I feel like you just have to keep giving him the ball. True, standback, talent wise, he's probably one of the best running backs in the league. So I think he has to be number one, doesn't he? Because like Johnson's a good running back, and he'd probably start if he was somewhere like in Ottawa right now. But yeah, I don't know, because they're the same kind of back, aren't they? Standback and Johnson? Yeah, they're both Yeah, so it's not backs. like you're really putting in a change of pace, so it's... Yeah, I would definitely keep rocking with Standback as the number one there. And no then, doubt. do you guys go with uh, Rutley or White if you're BC, if they're both healthy, considering Brandon Rutley just had a pretty decent game against Montreal? Uh, me personally, I would go split backs with them just to keep them both fresh. Uh, Rutley can play a lot. Like he did himself had 15 carries last week, but, uh, you want to keep him fresh, especially down the road. And if you are trying to 
somehow get in the playoffs, I think you got to keep both of them healthy. So yeah, I, I'd be rotating for sure. Uh, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. You just oh, for them right now with BC, just because you know you're in such a bad position. But like you said, if they're planning on making any sort of a run, you need everybody to be able to contribute. So if you're leaving one on the bench, it just doesn't work. I guess. I feel like Rutley is probably a better back than John White. So, in my opinion, Rutley should probably be the number one back, and then you can bring John White in as kind of a feature. And I'm more than willing to bet Brandon yeah. Rutley is probably a better blocker given their size difference. And considering BC's protection oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. issues, it might be better to, for them to start Rutley and then maybe use White as a feature or on screens or something like that. Yeah, not a bad idea. Alright, so on to game two of last week. Uh, Toronto beat down Ottawa 46-17. Now guys, does Ottawa keep Jennings as their starter, or after this loss, do they go back to Dominic Davis? Uh, I think it's still the same as last week, like I said. Uh, you gotta roll with Jennings. Uh, Dominic is proving to be serviceable possible backup at best uh jennings you don't know what you're gonna get i mean he threw for 327 yards one touchdown one pick but uh he's definitely a step up from dominic davis so i'd be rolling with i think i think jennings is definitely the play just because you see he had a good start to the season but then after that it was just you can see it slowly starting to fall apart and i honestly i don't think he's gonna get that spark back maybe for the rest of the year so I think Jennings is who you keep. I think for we're all in agreement stretch. on this one because yeah, Jennings is definitely a step up from Dom Davis. He's a more accurate quarterback. He threw for over three hundred. Um, he's younger than Davis too. So if both their contracts are up, that could be a deciding factor as well. Dominic Davis is actually twenty nine, and Jennings is either twenty six or twenty seven years old. So yeah, I think you stick with Jennings and. You roll with him, and then you cut one of them loose at the end of the year and obviously go for another quarterback in the offseason. Yeah. Now, uh, from what you guys saw, did Toronto actually play a full game? Uh, I think so. They actually they scored the most points in a quarter, and the they scored 21 points. Uh, so, yeah, I think they're... They're definitely not going to make the playoffs, but they're starting to roll. I mean, they did play Ottawa, but uh, yeah, McLeod threw 100 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. So I think they're doing pretty good, and uh, I think they're playing a little better. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, so glad that Toronto won in the fashion that they did. Um, it sort of proves that, you know, these guys are professionals because they were starting to have doubts. Um, and, I mean... It's it's just if they if they lost to Ottawa, oh man, it would have just been it would have been sad times, wouldn't it? For oh, that would have been terrible. But yeah, Toronto just they looked good the entire game, man. Like I don't know, like that was their best game so far this year, and I hope they just oh, they build on this, right? Because yeah, this was a great game, but I don't know, like I th I hope they keep it up genuinely because. They've got some good players there, and they're starting to use their weapons more, like James Wilder, who had three touchdowns last game. Yeah, major Huge. breakout game for him. Uh, it's nice. He's, 
for sure. Yeah, he's, he's been kind of what happened last year. And then, so now let's go back to Ottawa. Is the issue with them, is it their offense, their defense? Like, what is it specifically, in your guys' opinion? I think it's a little bit of everything. I mean, they let up 21 points in the fourth quarter, but they could only score one point in the fourth quarter, too. So their receivers aren't catching, uh, and their defense isn't stopping anybody. So I, I think it's a combination of both. I, I don't know what the issue is, and it's it's irritating to me because it's just you can't you can't just help but watch and just think what is going wrong here it's like uh it makes me it makes my head hurt thinking about it but i have no clue what the issues that's are that's definitely true for me it's the issue is definitely primarily on offense well the obvious issue is their quarterback position as well as they don't really have a Huge playmaking running back. Especially with Crockett being out so much. Like, he's good. Uh, but he... You know, you're seeing Moses Madu a lot. Who's a pretty average back, in my opinion. And then... Yeah. They really need a wide receiver one. Or just another uh, receiver to the... Fields... Or, no, not the, not the field side. The boundary side slot. Because that's kind of been like a rotational spot this year. Like, they had Germanic Smith in this week, and they had another kind of random guy a few weeks ago. It's definitely not a position you want to rotate, right? It's usually where you have your second-best receiver. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a big problem there, too, is the lack of consistency. Because, like, Dominic Rimes will have a great game, and then you won't hear about him the next game after. So, I think they're lacking big time in consistency. Yeah. But Dominic Rhymes, I, I actually am going to disagree with you there. He's actually been pretty decent. It's RJ Harris that's kind of been appearing and disappearing all of a sudden, if you look at the numbers. Well, and even even Brad Sinopoli, you've barely heard his name this year. And he was, yeah. it was him and uh, Ellingson, and they were unstoppable together. And yeah, now he's. That's true, but he was more of that second or third look in the offense last year that your defense had to key on. So I think. Uh, he benefited from his situation a bit more there than some people would care to admit. Ah, uh, that's true. Yeah. And then, uh, our last question about this game. You guys think Toronto can carry their momentum from this big win up into their next game? Uh, simple answer, no, and it's because they play Calgary. If they played Ottawa again, possibly, but they play Calgary... <laughs> Saskatchewan, and uh, BC in their next three weeks. So I think it's going to be tough to carry momentum for the next two weeks. They're lucky they got a bye this week to rest, but yeah, they're not carrying it into their next game. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree to a point, because I think if they actually played a game next week, I think they'd be in a better position yeah. to succeed. Because I think that you can take that right from this game and just be like, okay, let's, like, let's snowball this and take over the next team. That week, I feel like especially because they're playing calgary calgary is going to be hungry no matter what happens against hamilton this week yeah um i feel like i hope they can and i think they're going to be a better team coming out of the bye do i think they can beat calgary no but i think they'll at least make a game of it i don't think they're going to get crushed uh next time they come out won't be the uh it won't be the 60 points to one 
drumming that exactly. happened against Hamilton. Yeah, last year that was. was last year yeah, or the year that's before? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So we're going to talk about third game, one of the top rivalry matchups this week, the Banjo Bowl, where the Riders got crushed 35-10 to by the Bombers at home. Now, early on in the game, there was a really lousy call in the end zone by Andre Cruz Pru on, I think it was Ganey, where he kind of broke up a pass. It looked pretty good for my end, and I went and watched it again, and it looked it just looked like good defense, but they called it P.I., and essentially gave Winnipeg a touchdown, because obviously if it's P.I., it just goes down to the one-yard line. And this kind of, I saw this discussion popping up on Twitter. Who was the worst CFL ref in your guys' opinion, and why? Well, I don't study their stats as much as I should, but I'm going to go with Andre Pearl. Uh It might be biased as a Ryder fan. It seems like he has a, something out to get us, but uh, he always seems to... You don't see him in the Grey Cup games, so he must not grade out the best. But uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with uh, Frenchie on this one. And when it comes down to it, I really only see bad stuff about him. Like whenever any big controversy happens, like every ref's going to miss calls, but like, I always see that it's like, it's always him. He's always around the center of like the worst ones like that PI. Like that one, that one was a rough call. I don't think that should have been called, but I mean, yeah. Uh, same here. The only bad things I hear about the two refs that I hear the most are Bradbury and uh, Prue. Because I never hear anybody getting mad at Ken yeah. Major for missing a call or anything like that, but I always hear Prue's name. I, I occasionally hear Bradbury's, and yeah, like, I've been to some Ryder games. You know it's bad when they announce the official's name and the whole stadium starts booing. Like, that, that just oh, shows yeah. you that, you know, this guy's probably not the best... Taylor made a good point. He must not grade out tops either because he's not refing the Grey Cup and they put the top crew in the Grey Cup all the time. So, again, yeah, he's... I wish they kept stats on proficiency of officials. Like, somebody's kept a, you know, unofficial stat or if the CFL would kind of make what they have public. So we can kind of look yeah, at that ourselves. Yeah, that'd be great. I see why you'd say that, but... You, you gotta think, like, you know, these guys aren't professional athletes in the same way, like, they're sort of just doing their job, stat lines isn't really a big thing for them, and, like, that could, that would yeah. stress me out, and release stats saying, like, hey, yeah, you're doing true, your job you wrong. your job, you suck your know. job, right? And then, um, it, there also is another point to be brought I, up like, here, I CFL refs that. are not full-time refs, they're, uh, part-time, yep. Exactly. These guys have other jobs. Yeah, this is yeah, their side hustle. Yeah, this yeah, isn't this is like the NFL hustle. where the refs are all professionals. Um, no, these guys get paid for their flights and hotels and meals and I think a couple extra hundred dollars, yeah, but that's, that's it. You know, th- oh, wow. they really should have professional refs in the Canadian that's, that's League, but yeah, I don't know why they haven't needed. done that yet. Just don't have the disposable yeah, income, true. unfortunately. All right, and then the next question I have is, what happened to the Riders? Like they just looked bad that game. 
Uh, I think Cody Fajardo kind of put it best at the end of that game. Uh, you know, they were riding high on a six-game win streak, and it, it caught them. I think that they were, you know, they saw the number one in the power rankings, and they were they won six games in a row. They were rolling, and I think it just got to their heads a little bit. But I think this is the wake-up call that they need to uh, get ready for the rest of the season. Uh, but, I, like, I think they're still talented, and, I mean, you're not going to win every game, so... When you're uh, when you're going on such a big win streak like that, you start to you know maybe you're watching a little less film, maybe you're doing, maybe you're just not running the routes 100 percent because you're thinking like oh we're just too good for that right now. And I mean I'm yeah. pretty sure that's what happened with the Bombers and like in, when they're sitting at halftime with their five game win streak against Toronto earlier in the season, they were probably thinking oh got this in the bag and then done they get yeah we all know how that uh, ended. Good point. For me, if I had to look at a specific unit or issue, it the Riders just missed a ton of tackles. Um, if you look at what happened, it was just missed tackle after missed tackle. And, you know, like, there should have been, like, I think it was the second play of the game, actually, after the Riders had a sack. The Bombers converted on yeah, second yeah. and 17. And after that, it was just, yep. yeah, QB draw from Shreveler for 17 yards, or... I don't know See, how many he I think... got, but like to get the first down, right? And it was like twenty. Yeah, that kind of just set yeah. the tone for the rest of the game, honestly. I think a problem too, and it's CFL wide, and you see it with the special teams uh, touchdowns that are happening this year, is the CFL only allowing three padded practices a year. Um, I think that tackling, like people are forgetting the fundamentals of tackling, and that's why you see all these. They're trying to knock them out with their big shoulder hits and things like that. You're not seeing the fundamentals through every play. Exactly. And every player. I... If I could, if I could describe that, like if that game could be summed up in a play, it's when Strevler took it up the middle and like was just shrugging off people because everyone was going for like the big hits and it just yeah, wasn't five working. Tackles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with most of that. I don't really have much else to say. It was just. I think Luke Molander said it best. It's not the year of the return. It's the year of the missed tackle. And you start to wonder exactly. if they bring back more padded practices. Like, you don't have to have them all the time, but maybe at least double the amount so we don't see all these poor t uh, tackling issues. Well, exactly. You're trying to prevent concussions by taking out padded practices, but people aren't understanding the fundamentals of tackling. So... There's going to be a time where someone's going to tackle somebody the wrong way and they're going to happen. It's going to be like a Ryan Shazier where they break their back or neck and it's just not going to be good. Yep, I, I, I don't really have much to say. That's pretty much it, you know. Um, so on to our next question. How would the game have been different if uh, Nichols was QB instead of Strebler? Uh, I think it would have been closer. I, like, I honestly, I'm not a big Matt Nichols fan. He can game manage well, but uh, that's it, in my opinion. Chris Strebler, he's not the best passer, but he makes up for it in rushing. Like, he had 70 yards rushing last week. Uh, so, like, I think the game would have been a lot closer. He just, he game manages, and Chris Strebler can do what he can with his arm and his legs to get the win. Uh, yeah, I agree with that, but... um. 
I, I think that uh, I think it would have been a little closer, um, especially because you're imagining that at the beginning of the game, the kickoff, that penalty still happens. The sack still happens. Nichols is on the field in that situation. It's a lot harder for the Bombers to get that exactly. first down. With- yep. Thing, only thing is, I feel like I feel like Nichols gets a lot of disrespect. Oh, still, yeah. Like, and oh yeah. This, this stat, this stat was from this stat was from week eight or nine. So this could have changed from then. But um, someone on Twitter was trying to like prove a point and say like, how many times has Nichols tried to throw it down the field? And I forget who it was. It was one of the CFL analysts. He responded by saying that Nichols was top three. I think he was third in most 20-yard oh. pass attempts. Hmm. But yeah, it's like he, he goes for it more than you think. It's just that he's so, like, he's known from previous years from doing that check down thing that whenever you see it, your brain is sort of like, yep, that's, yeah, that's, that's what we know. Bias. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think it would have been closer. I agree. I don't think they would have got that second to 17 for sure because it just overall, you don't really have to game plan for a run threat with Nichols. He's not going to take off with it. You know that. So I think the Bombers probably score a bit less. Uh, The Riders, yeah, again, it's just a closer game in my opinion. But yeah, the Bombers just, yeah. I don't. I don't think the result would be any different. I could see it. It would probably been like twenty-three. Yeah, twenty-three. To 10. Yeah, something. Like, yeah, yeah, it'd be a little bit closer for sure. The riders still. Yeah, the riders didn't perform on offense the way they usually do. So I definitely agree with that. Now we've heard this debate a lot, especially from bomber fans. Does Traveler give uh, the bombers a better chance to win than Matt Nichols? In my mind, I think so. And just like I previously said, uh, Matt Nichols game manages. Chris Strebler does what he can to win the game with his arm and legs. Uh, and teams are catching up to it, but I mean, he still had 70 yards and almost 200 yards throwing with two touchdowns. And he had two rushing touchdowns too. So, uh, like, if I'm Winnipeg, you have a really tough decision coming this offseason. Uh, it's, it's really, really, really difficult for me. Because you guys know I am a Bomber fan. That's where my bias lies. And for the longest time, I've been defending Nichols. It's starting to teeter-totter. But right now, I still... Like, if you... Like, if I'm sat in this... Like, if I'm sat in the decision, and both of them are healthy, and it's, like, it's crunch time, personally, Nichols still out there. But just because mm. I haven't seen enough of a sample size from Strebler, if Strebler can... Not he doesn't need to do that good as he did against the Riders, but like if he can keep it up, then that'll start to you know that'll start to go his side even more. But right now it's just sort of haven't seen enough yet. But you're on honestly, you're like right I would there. rock with Strevler before I would rock with Nichols because, like I said, he just offers that complete different dimension, and he's a very hard runner yeah. to stop. So. I just I think uh, he yeah. can make games more winnable for you because you have to game plan for both and that's going to hurt teams more. Like look at the Riders. He just made one of the best defenses in the league look like probably the worst defense. So those Yeah. And those like uh QB draws where they like uh, play action QB draws, those with Harris, that's throwing everybody off every yeah. time. 
because That's deadly. Yeah. you have yeah, which you have killers with quarterback running or with uh, Andrew Harris running. And it's, exactly. So I think do? if the bombers go, oh, sorry. But, I mean, I love, I love. Yeah, I'm just saying, I love having them both with me uh, going on the bombers. I love having Nichols and Strepler. I love having this debate. I mean, it's going to be rough for the offseason. Yeah, it's going right to be rough for you guys it. for sure in the offseason, but I think you have. I think if you want to go anywhere, you're going to have to use Strebler, like in the playoffs because, I, yeah, I just don't see Matt Nichols as a guy who's going to win you a ton of games with the way he plays, but Strebler with the multi, multiple dimensions I, of his game, I think he just gives you a better chance at winning. I've heard... Um, uh, oh, you, you go. Uh, I've heard some rumors, too, that Matt Nichols could be out for the full season. And another thing with Strebler, uh, he, he like I'd, I'd pick him, but the thing is longevity with him, too, because what happens if one play, you know, he goes up against Charleston Hughes and they do head-on-head and then Strebler's out for weeks, you know? Like, how long can he keep the sufficient running up? That's, that's the thing. You could see, like... Um... I could see at least from in the stands from uh, some games with Strebler that Mike O'Shea is definitely like weighing into him when he doesn't fly. That's true. Like when he's doing those big runs and he's taking like, if he's taking every single hit, like he can shrug off one guy, but the, but like what's scaring everybody is when you see him try to truck three guys at the same time. And it's just like, sometimes it works for him. Like he's blowing up a couple guys just running. Yeah. Yeah. But like they, it you know, like when you said, it's like it only takes the one time for yep. you to just. And get then once you get one you're concussion, done. you're prone to more. Yeah. And if you don't believe me, ask Zach Kalaros. Kalaros. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's not even. I know, to right? Practice. I don't even know how they got that trade um, through with he, him not even being allowed to practice because you're not allowed uh, to trade injured players. Toronto, well, like Toronto was probably. Was not a team at that point. So, but last thing that I want to say about the uh, Nichols and Strebley situation, um, personally, because of what I think of Mike O'Shea as a coach, like I've talked to him in the past, he's a very player-first type of guy. He is. He, I guarantee, he has the mantra of like, you can't lose your spot to injury. You just can't. Oh, hmm. I think that they're gonna go from instead of it being. Like, because right now you could say it's like eighty percent Nichols and twenty percent Strebler when they're both healthy. Yeah. I think that's going to go to like a fifty-five, forty-five, oh. maybe sixty-forty in terms of Nichols. Yeah, yeah, I could see. That I think for sure. I think they're just going to get more dual threat versus like just choosing one or the other. Yeah, that, that's interesting. yeah, good point. And I mean, it it'd be great for them in in the off season if they could work out to keep both of them. Oh, I, if, if they could, oh man, it would be a miracle. I'd be so happy. I don't think it will, but... I think not. it depends on <laughs> Strebler, because, yeah, I don't think Nichols is going to cost you too much, and it depends what Strebler thinks he's worth. No. Because I could see a team like Ottawa yeah, exactly. paying him the moon, but if he doesn't want to go there and he thinks his best chance is with the Bombers to win something, maybe he stays in Winnipeg. Exactly. Yeah. Now we're on to the last game of the week, the second part of the Battle of Alberta, where Calgary beat Edmonton 33-17. It wasn't as bad of a game, I thought anyway, and Harris eventually got injured, unfortunately, and was replaced by Logan Kilgore. What do you guys think of his performance? 
Uh, I didn't think he did bad. I mean, he completed 75% of his passes, uh, threw for 240 yards. He did have a pick, no touchdowns. Uh, could have been better, could have been worse, uh, but I'd be a little worried if I was in Ed, uh, Edmonton for sure without Trevor Harris because they don't know how long he's out. And it's, uh, it's a drop-off between Kilgore and Harris, so uh, I'd, I'd still be worried in Edmonton for sure. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, he did... He did better than I thought he was going to do. I think he, like, even though it's he true. threw the pick, I think, yeah, he, he for what everyone thought he was going to do. But, um, yeah, I mean, he did everything that, you know, like, even the people that, you know, thought he was going to do well. I don't think they expected this. Like, yeah. Good enough to sort of, like, like, I'd be worried, but not, you know, Dom Davis worried, <laughs> not that situation, <laughs> yeah, that's you know? Yeah, true. Yeah. True. I oh, remember true. Uh, when Kilgore played for Toronto, he he had a terrible touchdown interception ratio. It was like two to ten or something like that. But the reason that happened was he would take a lot of deep shots downfield, and obviously he'd get picked off a ton. But I saw a very different Logan Kilgore come into that game. He looked like he had control for most of it. I thought he played fine. He wasn't taking too many shots. He did have one pick. But overall, he looked pretty good. I was actually impressed with what I saw from him. Yeah, fair enough. And then, how do you guys think Edmonton would compared this week to the week before where Calgary absolutely embarrassed them? Uh, I think they did better uh, somewhat. I mean, they scored more points, which is always good. Uh, they got three interceptions compared to zero last week. Uh, still no sacks this week. I think that's a testament uh, of Calgary's part, though. But uh, I think they definitely stepped up, and if they played a third time against Calgary, I think they'd have a better chance of winning. But, uh, yeah, overall, uh, slightly better. Uh, yeah, it's like, you look at it, it's, you know, the end of the day, a loss is a loss. And, I mean, they did look marginally better, but, I mean, come on. Especially now that right, uh, not Riley. Wow. Uh, especially now that Harris is out, um, it's just like, oh man, I I can't help but I'm scared for Edmonton now because like I feel like even though they're getting better, I feel like this is kind of what we're gonna start to see like this sort of stat line. Now, one thing I'm scared gonna add here: that. who thought Mike Riley, with all the heat he's been taking, would be the last starter standing? Unbelievable. I mean, he is tough. He's like the oldest quarterback, that, but he's that the That man toughest. must it's be crazy. made of something else. He's a trooper. He's taking a beating, and he just goes out there every single week, and he's fine, you know? But, yeah, I think Edmonton, especially the way they came out, they came out a lot better. Like, they were leading early on in that game, and they were shutting down Calgary's offense. And I thought, holy crap, are they going to come back and win this week? And then they kind of started to sputter and... Bo became Bo, and Harris injury, and that was basically all she wrote. Uh, hang on, is that exactly. actually like is that actually the stat line where every single starter's yes. gotten hurt except for Mike Riley? Yes. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. Big time. Wow. That... Well, Harris almost got Boy. injured earlier okay. in the year, That's and we cool. almost saw Kilgore, but he came back in. Yep. This game, he took some throws on the sideline, yep. and he said, "No, he's not ready to go." So Kilgore came in. Uh, I don't believe we know the status of the Harris injury, do we? Uh, uh don't think no. so. 
Yeah, not yet. They haven't announced anything. They just said it was a pre-existing injury that's been kind of lingering uh, for oh, a couple okay. weeks now. The last I it. heard, he was day-to-day with his injury, so hopefully he comes back in their next game, but if he doesn't, they they should be okay with Kilgore. But, and yeah, it's definitely a drop-off. And then, speaking of drop-off, guys, why was Kadeem Carey silent pretty much on the ground this whole game compared to the week before? Uh, I think it's the fact that they were... Uh, Edmonton was a little more prepared for him. There wasn't a lot of film on Carey, and now they played him and they knew what he was like. Uh, I think they threw a little more, too. Like, Mitchell threw 40 passes last week for 250 yards, but... Uh, yeah, I think they were just more prepared for him, and uh, that's the only really downfall in Calgary right now is their running back situation. You've seen a lot of inconsistency from a lot of their running backs. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the stat line right now, and it's 11 carries, 24 yards, you know, 2.2 average, with a, with a longest Oof. of seven. Yeah, it's, it's like, I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're winning games, so... Everything like that—that's in vain because at the end of the day, you're just trying to win. But, like you know, how many times are you gonna win throwing three interceptions? You know, you need that ground game. Absolutely. Now we go back to Bo here. Bo is now the all-time leader for Stampeders quarterbacks in wins, surpassing Henry Burris. Guys, should Bo be in the NFL? And if so, what's holding him back from not being there right now? Uh, I think that it's not anything really holding him back. I think it's all situational. Like, if he went to the worst team in the NFL and they gave him the starting job no matter what, uh, I think he would succeed. But teams in the NFL are just scared to take chances on CFL quarterbacks, even if they're the most winning quarterback of all time. They're just, they're scared. They're, they don't think That's that they're so the same strange. level. So I think if someone gave them a yeah, chance, Yeah, you look at guys that went down there. Like Warren Moon came from up here. Doug Flutie. Uh, who else? Uh, Jeff Garcia. Like, these are all guys that came down. Two of those yep. were from yeah. the Calgary Stampeders themselves. So I just, I don't get it. Like, the quarterbacks that have gone down are have been good in the NFL. You know, so why not take a chance on Bo, who is... Like you guys said, the winnest, the winnest, uh, I'm sorry, I'm slurring my words here. The winningest quarterback in Stampeder's <laughs> history and is the highest win percentage of any quarterback in the league. Yeah, well, here, here's my thing about it. You know that, you know that Bo Levi Mitchell, he's got that sort of swagger to him, just like the way that he presents himself. He's very, like, he is almost arrogant in a way sometimes oh, you know yeah. like during uh, like oh, post yeah. games and like halftime interviews yeah see it like is it some teams just like is wouldn't want to have to fight for that number one spot because like i don't think there's an nfl team that would be like yep you're our number one guy going in like you know any team in the cfl would take believe i mentioned and be like you're our guy I don't think any NFL teams would. Probably would right off the bat, but I think he could definitely get some backup spots in the NFL with. Yeah, yeah, but I just don't think that that's what he, like, I think that he thinks more of himself, so he doesn't want to go there for that. I don't know, because he had to earn his stripes here in the CFL even, so I'm sure he kind of knows that 
you know, you do have to earn your stripes, even if it's, you know, NFL to CFL. Again, the talent level does jump up. So you do have to prove yourself. Yeah, but he might think he might be thinking that he already did, you know. Potentially. I, I don't I see think. Bo having that much of an ego, but that's possible. You know, I think he's got the biggest one at all the quarterbacks. The reason in the he didn't league, go so. in the and he had well, three and... offers at minimum that I know about. The reason he didn't go is because none of them offered guaranteed money. If one of them did, he would have gone there. And some of those teams have established quarterbacks and like the Eagles uh, offered him a deal. Broncos, uh, I think the Jaguars are the third team. I don't quite remember. Like all those other teams have starters. So um, if he and he said he would have gone if yeah. he got guaranteed money. So. I was expecting, I was well, expecting I, the Broncos to pick him up. If I'm being 100 same here. Honest. Well, me too. But I think the part of him wanting guaranteed money is a testament to him believing that he has earned his stripes and he's paved his own way that he doesn't have to really prove himself. Where, I mean, most of the CFL guys, nothing is guaranteed you know, for money-wise. So yeah, I everyone think, takes one-year deals. Exactly. Well, I think he's proved himself enough that he could probably get guaranteed money in the NFL, or he should. But, yeah, like you said... Nothing's ever really guaranteed in the CFL, especially. Yeah. Alright, so now, after the games, we're going to delve into fantasy for this week. Uh, I have several questions for you guys, though, before we begin. Is Mike Riley or Jonathan Jennings a real option to consider this week in fantasy? I think Mike Riley is for sure. Uh, going up against Ottawa's defense... And at his price tag of ninety one sixty four, uh, yeah, I think he's definitely a viable option. He's throwing good yards. He doesn't have the most touchdowns. Like he only had one touchdown last week, but he's usually putting up over ten points. So, yeah, I think he's an option. And I don't think Jennings is. Uh, I I just don't have faith in him personally. I mean, if you're building a cheap or a, a more expensive team with your running backs and wide receivers, go ahead. But I don't recommend it. I mean, I'm for uh, Jennings. I, I'm not going with either of them. I could see why you would want to go with Riley. Um, if you're going with Jennings, um, go see a uh, doctor or therapist. Um, that, that, that's <laughs> it. Um, and, uh, yeah. But I just don't understand why you'd want Jennings right now. He hasn't proved anything yet, like anything like... Well, I'm going to go the other way, both of you. I'm going to say Jennings is a better option than Riley because Jennings is only 5,500. And he had a 300-game yard last week with a touchdown. So it wasn't bad. And Mike Riley is $9,100. And he only usually gets around 10 to 15 fantasy points passing-wise. So... You know, they're they're around this, a similar range enough. of I mean, points, and one's nine thousand dollars, the other's fifty five hundred. So, if you ask me, I take the fifty five hundred dollar player. But like I said, I'm yeah. not. I'm not am I. either. Yeah, and I just, I just think with Jonathan Jennings, you don't know what you're going to get. You look at some of his stats this year, like he's got some games where he had minus fantasy points. So yeah, he had in week six, he had minus oh, point yeah. two fantasy points. So. You just got to be wary where Mike Riley's. In fairness, though, that's Winnipeg's defense. This is a. This is BC's defense, so. That's very true. All right, 
So, and uh, uh, other notes that we have, stay away from William Powell. He had four carries for one yard last week. So, obviously, he isn't a great pick this week. Uh, stay away from him. And uh, is Jordan Williams-Lambert an option this week? Uh, I don't think this week, even if he does play, like, he's only available to media tomorrow, so he'll be... I mean, he's familiar with the offense, but he'll only have a couple days of practice. He's in shape, but as a fantasy option this week, I think next week is a better chance for him. Uh, yeah, I, I get your points. I mean, I personally, I do have him in my lineup, just with the way that the rest of my lineup was looking. He was the best fit, like a best bang for your buck, even though you are taking a flyer with him. So if you can hold off on him, I'd say do it just with the way that I'd built the rest of my team. And I really like how it all looks. I agree I with Taylor. With I'm usually on the wait and see train for all players in general. Um, usually I wait two weeks before I pick a player. But if Jordan Williams Lambert has a strong week this week, you could convince me to take him because he's got the rap sheet. For sure. For yeah. some players don't. And now we're getting to the value picks where... I tell you guys who I see is, you know, good value picks under or, under or at 3500 and then you guys tell me if I miss anybody. So, this week we have Jackson Bennett of Hamilton, who's $3,500. Kind of took over the starting role when Hamilton played last and had a pretty decent game. John Huff of Calgary, who is starting in place of Markeith Ambles right now. Nate Bahar, who has kind of slowly put up numbers, especially as of recently. Germanic Smith, Ottawa started boundary uh, slot back, who put up decent numbers last week in his uh, debut game. And lastly, we have Colton Hunchuk, who he was starting for Calgary last week. He had 10 total fantasy points. He didn't do too badly. Now, guys, did I miss anybody in that camp? Uh, I'm thinking, like, I think you picked pretty good. The only two I would add, uh, this one's a risky one, is Stefan Logan. He's not going to get you offensive yards, but he could get you some special teams yards. Um, but I would say more Jake Weineke uh, with Montreal. He does go against Saskatchewan's defense this week, but Montreal's rolling, and, I mean, he's putting up decent numbers every week. So that's the only one yeah. other one I would add. Yeah, I mean, I think you two hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, I'm not a big fan of um, just relying on specifically um, return yards. I don't, I don't think that that's really Same. reliable. Yeah. But, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, who is the other guy you said, Taylor? Wineke, right? He is an interesting yeah, pick for me because he used to be like a red zone guy only. Like, he, he'd have a couple catches, but they were all touchdowns sort of thing. But the, mm -hmm. they're starting to use him a bit more generally in the offense. So, yeah, he, he's a legit option at around $2,700. But I don't know if I'd put him ahead of really any of those other guys that I listed before that. Yeah, exactly. Now we get into the best positional picks for you guys. Tell me if I miss a, another player in here. Um, For legitimate quarterbacks this week... I have Mike Riley at 9,100, Cody Fajardo at 7,800, and Jonathan Jennings at 5,500. 
Now, did I miss any quarterbacks that you guys would consider this week, or would you drop any of those off the list? Uh, um, no, I, I wouldn't drop any off the list. Uh, like, I, I would definitely be staying away from people like Dane, uh, Dane Evans. Uh, but yeah, I think he hit the nail on the head with Mike Riley. He'll throw up some yards. Pajardo's safe for the amount. And Jennings, if you're building a lineup with running backs and wide receivers, he's your best option. Uh, yeah, I really like um, I really like Fajardo's price and like you know he's he's a reliable quarterback to get you some points. Um, he's who I'm running with this week. Um, yeah, I think Riley and Jennings are also good picks, but like especially like the bang for your buck with Jennings, I understand. But for me, absolutely, Fajardo's I think Fajardo is probably your best option this week in terms of uh, just the matchup with him too, because Montreal allows a lot of passing yards through the air and. Cody also gets those rushing points, yeah. which are so valuable in fantasy. Whereas Mike Riley, he's expensive, but he's going against a pretty easy defense, so he should put up some points. And yeah, Jennings is just a good pick if you're trying to go expensive receivers and expensive running backs. Mm-hmm. Alright, so moving on to running backs, actually. I have three that you should consider. William Stanback at 8,300. Edeem Carey at 5,100. And Brandon Rutley at 4,700. Did I miss any there that you guys would consider grabbing? No. Uh, I have Brandon Rutley and William Stanback in my line. Stanback going against Saskatchewan's D. They don't have the strongest run defense, uh, unfortunately. And Brandon Rutley is pretty consistent with his play I mean, he's given you uh, seven yard or seven points for most of the games where he gets the ball. So I think uh, I think Rutley's a good pick, especially against Ottawa this week. Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got Rutley and Carey as my uh, my duo for running backs, and I really agree with what you said about uh, Rutley and just he's always getting like he's getting good numbers and. Terry can have a bit of a bounce back game against Hamilton. But That's true. We'll with Stanback, he's always a good back to take. He usually gets around 15 points. And with the Riders missing a lot of tackles last week, it should be interesting how they handle Stanback. Huh. And, yep. And then Kadeem yeah, Carey, exactly. he's going up against a Hamilton defense that isn't great against the run. So I figure he will have a bounce back game. And Brandon Rutley is, he's just a good back all around. Like, He'll just truck a bunch of guys, and Ottawa doesn't have a great run defense either. And so let's move on to receivers now. For the second week in a row, we have an expensive receiver. We have Reggie Bagleton at over $10,000 as a receiver you should seriously consider for this week. Braylon Addison at $7,700. Eric Rogers at close to seventy three hundred dollars. Lamar Durant at just under forty five hundred dollars, and Quan Bray at thirty eight hundred. Now, is there anyone you guys would take off or add to that list in terms of receivers you should start? Uh, I don't think so. Like I have Eric Rogers and Braylon Addison, and as my flex, I'm going risky. This oh, you're going to Ron the- Carter. Hoping it will be his. Really? Hoping he will have his breakout. <laughs> You've waited finally. 14 weeks. <laughs> it's it's. Oh, I haven't. But uh, no, I think you hit the nail. Uh, I think you hit it pretty good. Uh, 
Eric Rogers is consistent. Bagleton is having an incredible couple weeks here. And uh, yeah, that's, I don't really have much more to add. Quan Bray, he's great. So I think he'll do good against Saskatchewan this week. Yep. Uh, I've got, um, I've got Eric Rogers as one of my receivers. Um, my other receivers, my lock, so I'm not going to say that yet. Um, I, I like, like, I like the rest of them. Um, like I said, Bray is great. Um, but I really don't like spending over ten thousand yeah. on a receiver, and that sort of mm-hmm. sort of turns me away from Bagleton. I understand wanting to take him if like he's your main guy, but for me, I always like to. I usually try to work top down, like just quarterback. Oh and yeah. Then, so yeah, spending because I'm relatively new to fantasy compared to you guys. So um, Bagleton at over ten k is a bit of a uh, bit of a turnoff for me. Well, I think you make a good point there. Like, I've never picked Brandon Banks. I've wanted to pick Brandon Banks, but his mm. price tag is ranged between fourteen thousand yep. and twelve thousand. Oh and God, it's no. just For not what worth he, it. His output is no, yeah, no. But you got to guarantee exactly. that you're getting like twenty five points a game. Yeah, yeah, and he's not. Well, that's the reason I picked Bangleton is because he's been, uh, aside from Braylon Addison, he's probably been the most consistent receiver in the CFL right now. And with Bo back, he's putting up a lot yeah, of points. Yeah, for sure. So, it, I mean, there's a reason why he's got that price tag. He puts in the work. He's he's getting, you know, true. it's a good return on that. But for me, it's just like, you know, if he does have a bad game, that's a lot of your yeah, that's true. But uh, Bagleton's only had I think two games under ten fantasy points. And back to Braylon Addison, yeah, his price is overinflated a little bit because he had a forty point game against Toronto, but. Still, he's, he's probably the top fantasy receiver on that offense with Brandon Banks, Banks struggling recently. The only guy yeah, I'm surprised sure. he didn't argue mm-hmm. with me with is Lamar Durant's on there at forty, just under $4,500. You guys think that's a safe receiver pick? Yeah, uh, I think so for sure. Just especially with their, who they're going against this week. Uh, going against Ottawa, they, like... BC could get their second win of the year potentially this year, so I think they could ball out. I mean, it makes sense for people to take Duran against this Ottawa Same. Lineup, so. Um, For this week, if you're on team defense, we have one defense that you should probably pick. It's Calgary. Uh, any other defenses you guys would probably pick? If you have to throw a defense in and you got 3200 bucks left, Sea Lions. I'm going risky with that. I, they're not in my lineup, but throw, with up against Ottawa, who knows what could happen? Especially people have a hard time playing in BC, no matter how good or bad BC is. That's fair, but I mean, I just I don't like having like looking at this week. Just I don't know because like the only one, the only defense that I would feel comfortable picking, just in terms of like deduction. Personally, I would want Sask, but since they're playing Montreal and they're really hot, it's hard to The pass. best output yeah. production-wise uh, for fantasy is pretty, for the most part, this year been Calgary, but again, their price is expensive. And with the Tiger Cats, even on a drive-to-drive basis, I don't know what Dane Evans is going to do. Like, he could seriously slice up the Calgary defense, uh-huh. or he could do absolutely nothing against them. And in my earlier lineups this mm-hmm. week, I did try to fit the defense in, but it just wasn't working, so I don't have a defense this week either, honestly. 
I, I just don't think it's worth it. Alright, so we're going to finish up our fantasy talk here no. with our locks. For me, I have Reggie Bangleton. Again, he's probably the second most consistent receiver in the league. He's putting up a ton of fantasy points right now, so he he's honestly pretty much a must-add in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going for my lock this week, uh, William Stanback. Uh, like I said earlier, Saskatchewan doesn't have the best run uh, run defense, So, and with him, in my mind, being the top two running back in the league, I think that uh, he has a great game this year, this week. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going for a bit, like I'm going for, you know, he's good, but he sort of goes under the radar, especially I think this season. Uh, for my lock this week, I'm going Brian Burnham with BC. Um, I think that you know, he, he got 129 yards with a touchdown in a loss against Montreal. I feel like he's it's got to be better. He's going to be looking better against what looks like the worst team in the CFL in Ottawa. Yeah, good point. Uh, yeah, he's he's got to get more than what he did last game, and last game was really good for him. So for me, he was my first guy that I wanted in. Yeah, that's true, Burnham. He's definitely a viable option this week for sure. Um, he's not a guy I've been picking just with BC's offense and you know what they're going through, but with this matchup, yeah, I think he's absolutely a legit pick. And I think I think what could happen this week, honestly, is that the uh, the O line could have another really good game for BC, and then all of a sudden people are talking like, are they turning into that really good offensive line? I think it's going to be I think it's going to be Ottawa looking bad against BC. I think you were saying. All right, so we have a fair amount of news this week. Uh, the Ticats have signed veteran running back Terrell Sutton. Uh, Matthew Betts, who was down south with the Chicago Bears, the third overall pick in the CFL draft, is now signed with the Edmonton Eskimos. Where do you guys think he'll fit in on that defensive line? Uh, I think he'll be rotating in, uh, but I mean, with Alex Bazzi being the, uh, the scratch last week, he could be hurt, so... Uh, he could come in sooner than we think. I mean, right now, like I, I don't think that you know the best case scenario is just sort of throwing him in right, like as a starter as the first game. But that yeah. might just have to be what happens. Um, but yeah, in a perfect world, they're gonna just rotate him in and get him. Sort yeah, of... I think they'll take the rotation approach for now. They'll do the Jonathan Kongbo thing where he's uh, Betts mm. will probably rotate with uh, Kwaku Botang and Nick Usher. And eventually, maybe they they could go all Canadian defensive end, which would be really interesting. I don't think they do that, though. I think it's going to be a battle between Betts and Botang to see who gets that starting spot. That should definitely be interesting. Yep. Mm -hmm. In other news, Josiah St. John, uh, a former first overall pick in the CFL draft, has signed with the BC Lions. Jordan Williams-Lambert has now officially signed with... Uh, signed with Saskatchewan. And the Riders making another roster move today. They signed Chad Jeter to the practice roster and released kicker Gabe Ferraro and defensive back Solomon Means. Good. So to conclude the podcast, we have our predictions. For me this week, I have BC beating uh, Ottawa, Calgary beating Hamilton, and Saskatchewan beating Montreal. How about you guys? Uh, I got the exact same picks, but I have a record of seven and five so far so far with the podcast. So, uh, Mike, 
Careful. Oh, I don't know about that. My record's pretty good at Ooh. 10 and 2, so I don't know. Well, yeah. I hope mine improves I mean, then. I mean, I've only been on for one episode, but I got all mine right last week, and I'm actually got one game different oh, from okay, you guys. Let's hear it. BC winning. I got BC winning. I think oh, Hamilton actually takes oh. it against Calgary. That's wow. a hot take right That's there. Win. Yeah, that is yeah. bold. Oh, man. Yeah, I have, I have BC Hamilton in fact. All right. Well, we'll have to see how that turns out. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. You can find us on YouTube. And now you can find us on SoundCloud. Just search, uh, search True North CFL Podcast on YouTube or SoundCloud to find us. Please like and share with your friends. And if you have anything you want to add to this discussion, feel free to comment if you're looking on YouTube. Again, thank you all for listening. This is the True North CFL Podcast signing off.